Episode 107 is here, everybody, with Kevin Adelstein, the publisher and CEO of Cleveland Jewish News, Columbus Jewish News, CJN.org. Really appreciate Kevin coming on to share uh, insight into the publication, what goes on behind the scenes, uh, personal things about his life, his family's life, his son who's nonverbal, uh, his workouts, his. It, we just talk life. And uh, it was fantastic to hear his perspective on things and get an idea of what he does as the publisher, as the main man at Cleveland Jewish News. So check him out, cjn.org. And before you do, please click subscribe. Continue to join people. The Optimal Life family is growing. We are one of the top self-improvement podcasts on Apple Podcasts here in the United States. Um, but we will continue to get even higher in the ratings, higher on the charts, as long as you guys continue to support by subscribing and by sharing and spreading the word. So thank you again, everybody. And with that said, please sit back, relax, and as always, welcome the one and only Kevin Adelstein. The Optimal Life. Tech shit. That's right? Awesome. Not bad for a uh, you did good, one man. man band. Yeah, huh? you did good. State of the art. Look at this. It's like a real podcast. Studio. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, welcome, bro. Thanks. Welcome on this cold, frigid day. It's good to be in here. Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, CLE. We've, we've gotten so lucky with the weather lately. Oh, man, we cannot complain. Right? I tell you, we cannot complain because this is probably, this weekend is what, the first real snowfall we've had? Like, and all, it's all mid January. Yeah. But the problem, the problem is, is that when it does this, oh. you know that it's like May fifteenth is we're, oh, getting, yeah. we're getting hit with snow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, you know opening day at the oh, ballpark sure. is going to be white out. That's always what April, mid April. Oh yeah, it's uh, no beginning of April. Beginning of April. Oh yeah, for sure. And good old MLB. <laughs> not that anybody's talking about Major League Baseball these days, right? It's uh, we're in uh, division. Uh, no, conference championship weekend, and all people are talking about is baseball. But these boneheads, they schedule the Indian. I think we open up, it's Cleveland and Detroit or something in April. Really? And why wouldn't you yeah. send them like send out them west? Somewhere warm to yeah, start the season. exactly. Or out down south. I, we've been snowed out a couple times, I believe. We have. I've been to a couple years. of them. Yeah. yeah it's where pretty rough. It's, yeah. it's a terrible way to start. It's either <laughs> freezing rain or snow, yeah. and they just can't get the game out. I, I saw Lindor got a huge contract did you see that yeah so they avoided arbitration they're gonna pay him i think 17 and a half mil for one year and they i mean they're locked he's locked in until i think the end of next season so we've got him for two seasons but dolan just i can't see him he's not gonna pay him the money that he's gonna command he's gonna command a couple hundred million dollars Jeez. and dolan just he's not gonna fork it up how so. does that work the arbitration i'm not as familiar with baseball so I'm not either, but as I understand it, when a player reaches a certain level of service, years of service, they can go to arbitration, which means the team, they bring in an arbitrator and the team can say, we want to pay you this. The player says, we want this. They come to a happy medium to avoid the player hitting the open market. So it, it's, like know, a I mean, it's still a huge pay. It's after, I think it's after their initial contract, their first I don't think Frankie's playing on his rookie contract. He might be playing on his rookie contract. So this is now the next phase. But they lock him in for an extra year. It's like a franchise. They, no, today. no, they don't because they still own his rights. So he still. I mean, he. But I don't think he could have played on his rookie contract. So it's a matter of huh. they avoid the arbitrator saying, "Here's what we think you should. Here's what we're going to make you pay him," and they agree. Dolan's agreed. His people agreed. You know, we're going to pay him seventeen and a half million dollars. We'll be paying, which is a huge. Bump in, in so they salary. had his rights this year. Still they own his rights contract. for two more seasons. Oh, okay. He's not going to. I'd be shocked. I think the baseball world would be shocked. Clevelanders would be shocked if he's here in two years. Yeah, I agree. So people are saying, this is look, it. there was, there was rumors. Now. Yeah, I mean, there are rumors that he wouldn't be here for opening day. My sense is, depending on how the season goes, you know, he'll be here probably through the trade deadline. If the season's going really good, they'll keep him. If, if they're tanking, then I think they'll dump him and get maximum value for him to a contender where he's going to end up. Do you guys cover sports? In we the do. CTN? You do. Yeah, so we just so we have a sports writer, full-time sports columnist, not full-time but he's he's a regular sports columnist, Les Levine. No Les, kidding. Yeah, Les been writing who's for been us doing for, this, who's been in Cleveland sports for like oh, decades. Les decades is the dean decades, and yeah. he's awesome. He he uh, has been writing for us. He writes a weekly column for us. In fact, we just last week 
when all this shit came can i say shit you can say whatever you yeah, want all this shit came down your with, stock just went up even yeah, more i love it <laughs> all this shit came down with stuff that i might or might not print in the paper <laughs> but uh that's another funny story but uh so when all this shit came down last week with you know it was a domino effect starting with the astros and then the red sox and then the mets or the yeah the red sox and the mets and the two key players allegedly on the baseball side and the player side are Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman well Bregman happens to be Jewish we he was he's an all-star he was here when we hosted the all-star game last year we wrote about him so I sent that to Les and Bob Jacob my managing editor as soon as their names came out I said hey here's a Jewish angle to this let's make sure we get something from AP or one of the other wire services and we make it relevant to our audience and they're like dude that's awesome so that's wild yeah that's i cool. mean would we otherwise write about that maybe not you and guys don't cover everyday sports right it's we not, don't unless we always look for a jewish angle, an angle. so yeah. like yeah. a julian edelman kind of thing right you julian have, edelman that's absolutely gotta be a perfect example for sure and this kid from uh i forgot what the kid's name played uh pro ball from beachwood he uh Played in the Israeli baseball team. Baseball team. He just he just quit baseball all all uh, up and out, and he went to work for Ohio State. Ohio State hired him as a coach. He's a Jewish kid, local Jewish kid. Went to the pros. Now he's at the Buckeyes coaching. That's awesome. So That's you know awesome. we write about that stuff. And uh, who else comes to mind? I mean, Julian Edelman's got to be like the most the biggest name Jewish guy. Yeah, Edelman, David Blatt. So David former Blatt, head former head coach right, yeah, of the Cavs. Right. He was from his uh, Israeli coach. Yeah, right? he was Israeli coach. He coached Coach Maccabi. Right, right. Coached right. the Cavs, obviously. And uh, now, have you had a chance to talk to these people over the years? Yeah. So Blatt, I happened I met because when Blatt was managing, the, when he was coaching the Cavs, I met him twice. The uh, Jewish Community Board of Akron brought him in for their men's night when he was still coaching here. And I was a guest there. I met him. And then when um, an organization, local organization, I know you're really familiar with, Friendship Circle, they brought him there also a couple months later to do an event. I brought my son with me, and we went and met the coach and everything. That's great. So, How long have you yeah. been doing this for? With this? Uh, this is year seven. I'm on year seven. You're the publisher and CEO. I'm the president of the Cleveland Jewish Publication Company, which is the overarching company, corporation of all of our products, and the publisher and CEO of the Cleveland Jewish News, Columbus Jewish News, and all of our products that fall under that. Columbus Jewish News as well. Yeah, so we launched a newspaper, a bi-weekly newspaper in Columbus, sort of in the Jewish community last year. We're going on year two. Um, we get really cool support from... Um, Jewish Columbus, which is the Jewish Federation of Cleveland equivalent in Columbus. They go under the uh, umbrella arm of Jewish Columbus the branding and Schoenstein Stores Corp. Um, they help us underwrite so that we can do free home delivery to every Jewish household in Columbus, which is a little bit different model than we have in Cleveland, which is a paid subscription model. Mm -hmm. And Cleveland's a weekly newspaper. Columbus is bi-weekly. We, we come out on, in Columbus every other Thursday. Cleveland come out every Friday. But what's the? How many subscribers are in Cleveland? Cleveland, we have around seven thousand ish, 7, and we say we have around 20, 20 25 thousand readers because you average around two and a half, three readers per household. Um, and then Columbus, we have around six thousand um, households that we're in in Columbus. And, and already, yeah, yeah. So because it's again, it's a free subscription model. Uh -huh. We get the database from Jewish Columbus. They help underwrite the cost. Schoenstein's Schoenstein Source Corp. They own DSW. They own um, Value City Furniture. Big players in, in Columbus and around the Jewish world, for that matter. Jay Schoenstein is a really generous philanthropist, and uh, you know, in Columbus and uh, around the world, uh, Israel is very close to and dear to his heart. So how did you get, what were you doing before this? So I was, uh, before I was recruited to come to the Cleveland Jewish News, I was at Cleveland.com. I worked at Cleveland.com. I was originally hired as um, retail sales director. I ran retail sales for, um, which is non-classified sales for Cleveland.com. And then three years in, I was promoted to uh, director of sales. And then actually two years in, I was promoted to director of sales. I oversaw all of sales. And then my last two years there, I was co-manager, 
uh, I oversaw day-to-day operation with my counterpart ran the editorial side I ran the business side and I was there before uh, I came And what here. you had a relationship with someone at Cleveland Jewish News and they said we want to bring you well, no I had no re- I had no relationship Nothing. so I was recruited um, I got a call one day I was in New York City on a sales call with one of my sales reps at the time and I get a call from an unknown number, and I'm walking out of a You're hotel. Like, what's this garbage? Yeah. I'm walking yeah. out of a hotel, and this guy introduces <laughs> himself to me and says, I'm the board chair of the Cleveland Jewish News, and um, we're looking to fill a publisher role, and I really wanted to talk to you. And I said, look, I'm on a business call right now out of town. Can I call you when I get back in town? He said, sure. So I called him. We had a couple meetings, and uh, at that point, uh, we were probably two months in, and I was getting s- – sort of cold feet and I was it was about I think it was a night before I was to meet with their executive committee the executive board to go face to face with them after I had a couple meetings with the board chair and a couple other folks um, on the lay leader side and I was getting cold feet and I decided that I didn't want to meet with the executive committee and I didn't want to send an email so I called the board chair up and I said look I'm honored and flattered to be considered um, I think I'm going to stay where I'm at at Cleveland.com and I'm going to respectfully withdraw from consideration. And wow, said, like like the day day before? The day before I was supposed to meet with, I was supposed to meet with the executive committee the following evening at like 6 o'clock at his office. He's a lawyer. And uh, I, I didn't want to leave him hanging. I said, I'm, I know it's short notice, but I just... I'm, I'm not feeling it and, and I don't want to I don't want to make you look bad by putting me in front of your executive committee when my heart's not into it so I'm going to respectfully decline re- withdraw from consideration which I did and he appreciated it and then a couple months went by this was the time where Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer and Sun News were going through a big transition where they were going to merge the three entities and the Plain Dealer, probably three, four months later, the Plain Dealer published an article that they announced this new venture. At the time, it, it's now defunct, but it was at the time they called it the Northeast Ohio Media Group, which was the f- combined entities of Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, and Sun News. They announced their leadership team, and my name wasn't included in the article. I had a role, but it wasn't one of the. It wasn't the role that I wanted. That I thought I was going to get there. Um, that's not why I stayed, but I just was going to wait it out. And he read the article and he called me up uh, the next day and said, "Hey, I saw this article. I know you're not in the role that you wanted. Um, I thought maybe you would. We haven't filled the position. I thought maybe." we could open the door wow, again. Wow, good for this and guy. He yeah, stayed, he, he stayed was, on he's, you, huh? He's Watch one of my closest allies now. He, he's The guy's name, I'll give him a shout-out, Mark Freemuth. Mark is a, we just honored him. He was one of our 18 difference makers this past November. Um, he's been board chair at, he was board chair at, I think your kids, didn't your kids go to, Man, aren't they Mandel kids? No, or, my No. Heart. Okay, I thought they were. He was yeah. board chair at Agnon School before his Mandel JDS. He was board chair of the JCC. He was board chair of the Cleveland Jewish News big big community macher and uh that's great man so i said let me think about it i talked to uh my better half the very lovely and uh <laughs> you know we talked it out and, and said you know what let's let's roll up our sleeves and, and see where this takes us and, and i was committed then i said i'm not going to do it if i'm not in so let's see where this takes us and see if i can get this thing and i had second i thought it over and said yeah i'm in so went through the process wow. all over again had me meet with a bunch of uh, additional lay leaders about the executive committee met with some staff met with a uh you know, professional services company where they, they do it's psychological testing and they do they make sure your head's on straight and, and make sure that you know your decision making process aligns with what you know they're looking for based on criteria that they establish and uh, the rest is history wow, here, here we are that is that's incredible so. that's incredible you know something about that too when you actually withdraw your name from consideration you can't help it the other people but your stock went up that day yeah i wasn't i had no motive there right i just i i just i wasn't into it and And, and that's and that's completely the the right thing to do yeah not lead them on but naturally it's like the thing that you can't have because then he goes back to the committee hey this guy pulled out yeah and and they haven't been able to fill the seat they probably you were probably their number one at the time or one of their top and I'll never, never know. And I they don't never, care. But they never filled it. They never filled point. the position. They didn't yeah. fill it for like several months, and uh, he stayed. It's it just, it's just psychological how that, how that works out. Yeah, and they told me years 
years later that had they not got who they considered to be the right person, whether no matter who it was, the newspaper company could have gone to shit. And, and this incredible, incredibly important publication serving the needs of the Jewish community, not only locally but around the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, w- which we pride ourselves on being truly independent, community owned which is really unique today where it's, you know, you as a member of the Jewish community Cleveland are, you know, one of the owners of the Cleveland Jewish News. That's right. what we say. Um, and, and that's how it was established, you know, almost 60 years ago. And uh, so like, so we've talked about this before, but give, give people an idea and understanding. Publisher and CEO of the yeah. publication. What What is what is the role of, of your day-to-day or your week-to-week? What do you do? Yeah, so... I oversee, I'm the final decision maker as relates to editorial content, what's going to go in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an incredibly talented and gifted leadership team that work with me. Some of them I handpicked. Others that are here with me, I chose to keep them and, and work with them. And uh, because we did a little bit of an overhaul when I came on board after I did a you know six, seven week evaluation of every single staff person, every department, I wanted to make sure I had the right people in the right places. We did some aligning and these people I have have for the most part been with me since day one they're incredibly passionate they're 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 so um they just are really passionate about jewish cleveland and about the role that we play in the community and not everybody on our staff is jewish in fact more than half our staff is not jewish but um yeah so um I, I run the day-to-day operation. Over, I'm responsible for top-line revenue, bottom-line revenue, bottom-line profit. Um, I'm re- responsible for every single one of our products, whether it be J-Style Magazine, Balance Family, which serves a secular community, Canvas Magazine, which is an up-and-coming arts and, and entertainment culture type of magazine serving the uh, non-Jewish, not only the Jewish community, but secular community, um, or whether it's our... our um, source the annual guide to Jewish living or one of our events that we do. If it's one of our custom publications, we produce uh, magazines for different communities in, in Cleveland that people would never know about, like they never know we have any involvement. South Euclid, City of South Euclid has a magazine, quarterly magazine that goes out to every one of their households and res- households and businesses living in or working in the city of South Euclid. We produce that for them. We're the publisher of that magazine. Um, same thing for Lynnhurst, same thing for University Heights, same thing. We partner with um, the family that, that runs uh, Beachwood Buzz magazine and we help them publish their magazine. It's a monthly magazine serving the residents and businesses of Beachwood. So all of those I'm responsible for, and it's about putting the right people in the right place and let them do their let job. Them do it, delegate yeah, it, yep, and, and delegate. And don't micromanage and, and, it. No, don't. Do you ever find yourself it. reading and editing uh, columns before they're coming out, or are you? Do I? Unfortunately, <laughs> every single week. Really? Because um, I'm uber anal. I'm really, really anal about typos, and we're look. We're all human. Even editors make mistakes, but. Um, even I make mistakes. I'm not certainly not immune to making mistakes, but you know I'm going to look at every single page before it gets printed wow. because I want to make sure that the layout is the way in which, as a reader, I want to see that. And um, you know I'll, I'll rewrite headlines, I'll rewrite cut lines that appear in, in photos. Um, I'll check for um, grammatical stuff, even though we employ copy editors and we employ editors and. and you know, I'm just on the last set of eyes before we say, okay, send upload it to the printer. We're going to press. Interesting. So you're still involved in all that. I'm involved that's in that, yeah. Final more say. so than I would like, more so than my board chair would like. Mm-hmm. Again, that's self-inflicted on me because, you know, I created that. And um, it, it keeps all of us on our toes. And, and I tell our staff every single day, I'm like, look, your name is right next to mine in the master of the newspaper. I take great pride in your name and who you represent as an individual. It, it drives Nate. It, it there's nothing that bothers me more in business in our business world that we are in right now than when we get something wrong, whether it's a spelling of someone's name, whether it's 
we spell something else wrong, whether we get facts wrong. Yeah. It, 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 it's Because it's, once you push the send button and, uh, the, and that paper goes out, it's out there forever. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. Especially, that's, that's so interesting. Especially with, with the internet and how our content is so viral and, and it's out right. there. Right. I mean, and it's just, yes, that, that, that is the trickiest part, I think, for all media these days. Is, and everyone's in such a rush now. With with the Twitter, yeah. and with the fast posting, and your odds are you're going to get things wrong when you're moving at the speed of light. Now, fortunately for you guys, you're not a, a breaking news publication. Right. We so, do break news when it's relevant to our audience, but we also I also tell our staff, and they know this; it's ingrained in them. It's is as part of our mantra of trying to build a world class organization. I'd rather get it right and be second than get it wrong and be first. Yes, that's it's perfect. critical in today's day and age of journalism when. You know, everybody's a journalist. Everybody, you know, they're sort of, there's this old, you know, expression that was created a long time ago. It's backpack journalism and everybody, you know, throw a backpack on your back and, and community journalism and citizen journalism. And, and, you know, when, you know, when we took out bin Laden a couple years ago, it wasn't one of the mainstream news outlets that broke that. It was somebody at the compound next door that had a phone that saw, you know, our forces going in and taking them out and, and that put it out on Twitter. That's how news of, you know, one of the, you know, the world's most wanted criminals and, and, and terrorists. If you have a cell phone, you're, you're, you're a, a journalist. journalist. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Which is scary. It's really scary. It's a matter of truth and it's who do you trust and it keeps us on our toes and it's why our job is so critical. And how about dealing with people who are unhappy with what's being reported, right? Every day. You have to deal with that crap Every as well. Every day. They don't like what they read. They don't like how we how we, we position it. They don't like a photo. I get, I got it. We got an email from somebody, my managing editor got an email last week from a 20-something uh, member of the community that said my, you know, several years ago my parents put my bat mitzvah um, photo in, I was a minor, put my bat mitzvah photo on, submitted it to you guys, it printed in the newspaper, it's now on um, your website, it's now comes up on Google search results. I don't like the way I looked as a 12-year-old, can you please take it down? And it's all vanity for vanity reasons. And unfortunately, you know, we have a, our, our mission is really, really clear. It's we are creating the history of Jewish Cleveland for generations to come. And that's part of Jewish Cleveland. That's part of the history of the newspaper and what happened in the community. So unfortunately, as much as you don't like the way you looked as a 12 year old, none of us did. But that's I mean, that's how we looked, you know, and it's frankly, she looked wonderful. It's a great picture. So right, like she had right. there's nothing wrong with the photo and I'm and I'm not saying that because I didn't want to pull it down, but we just we don't do but that. what kind of slippery slope would that create if you were to cuz every Absolutely. time your desk would you'd be bombarded Absolutely. with people calling and complaining. Yep. You do it for one, you have to do it for everybody and your then your publication loses all credibility. And consistency is crucial in this role is being very very consistent in your decision making process consistent like how consistent consistent in how you respond to these things and, and when we get these requests you know my my position is outside of a court order chances are i'm not going to remove that from the website and our our mission statement our policy states that you know, you put a subpoena like, in like front of me where like a judge says, pull this down. Yeah. It's freedom of the press, freedom of speech. Like and, the teacher that was upset, right? Teacher was upset, about yeah. About that thing with yeah. the kids. You yeah, you and I talked about that yeah. at, you know, over a couple bears. You but know, you're just a, reporting the news. There's a, you know, you know, there's a teacher in, in a, you know, certain town that, that we wrote about that, you know, got himself, got himself in some trouble. And, and, you know, we get a letter from... You know his representation saying you know we'd like you to consider pulling this down because you know the teacher was never charged with a criminal act or anything and and you know our first question we ask is did we get something wrong is there something that's factually incorrect in what we reported the answer was a no okay there's nothing wrong and you know we got it right if we got something factually incorrect that that's a problem and, and we're absolutely always 100 percent of the time going to own up to that and yes. we're going to make it right do everything we can again you can't put that genie back in the bottle and a lot of times you you do irreparable damage which i would feel horrible about fortunately those have been few and far between on my watch how do you continue to grow this publication um always looking for ways to gain new eyeballs 
um, new advertisers, um, be out there telling different stories, new stories, um, doing engaging the community like we've never done before. We've created our vice president of sales, Adam Mandel, who you know I hired from Cranes Cleveland Business. He was one of the top sellers, probably the top seller at Cranes for almost 20, you know, I think he was there for 15, 16 years, top seller. And he was, you know, he's very, very well respected from a, you know, as a sales professional, went out and hired him, let him run the business and, and the sales side of the business. And since he's been here, he's created some really cool community events that we were never doing before, like our 18 Difference Makers, in which your folks were honorees a couple years ago. Right. We do 12 under 36, honoring 12 members of the community that are under the age of 36. We, we do, you know, this next weekend, we're going to, we partner with Launch House and we're, we're partners with them on the Launch House Bootstrap Bash, which recognizes entrepreneurship in Northeast Ohio. Nice. Um, the, the J-Style stuff. J-Style, our singles parties that we do, our launch parties. Um, so in Columbus, we launched our 18 Difference Makers after just one year. We promised the community when we went to Columbus, we were going to do more than just publish a newspaper. And we've now published one magazine there, one event. And we fulfilled our promise, and we continue to do that, and we'll we'll continue to do that to the community. And you, there. you have people using the social media to promote what's going on. Yes, yeah, so we've hired we hired um, we launched a whole new digital marketing team that we never had before. Also, we threw some we consolidated a couple. When I said earlier that we realigned our business, part of that realignment was realizing let's we have dire need for some social media and digital experts, digital marketing experts. So we built a digital marketing team and now we have two full-time people um, that manage all of our digital properties, our websites, our social media channel. They're responsible for rewriting every headline that just because a print headline, just because this headline reads well in print doesn't mean it's going to drive eyeballs on social. So they're rewriting every single headline for to drive clicks to our uh, website. They're growing our audience. Um, we did a social media campaign uh, for Hanukkah where we put in both of our newspapers. We did um, a contest count the, uh, the uh, Hanukkah gelt mm -hmm. where we put different, we hid gelt throughout different pages of the, of the newspaper. We made you go to our Facebook page to just as a comment, post there how many you found. And then randomly we drew five winners for each uh, or four winners for each city and we gave them a $25 gift card for um, toward Hanukkah to use for you know shopping at local merchants and that drives audience it engages our audience on Facebook which is a huge medium love it or not is that your number one medium right now um, yeah yeah Just in terms but of traffic it is um, when when you look at the comments and the comments are vile some of them are really vile people are you know, especially in today's climate, you know, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. You got to be really careful with what you put out there, and you know, you a lot have, of anti-Semitic when you're talking like that. There's a ton of anti-Semitism. There's a ton of hate. There's a ton of, of trolls that'll just, you know, appear and they'll they'll you know editorialize from your editorial, and it, it's just we we monitor every page. We monitor that part half of what Cheryl and Abby do who are social media or digital experts, you know, is they spend time monitoring. They'll come in, they'll leave Friday, they'll leave the office at, at four o'clock on Friday, they'll come in Monday, and they may have seven, eight hundred comments to monitor from all of our properties. And it could just be anyone all, anywhere, anywhere in the world at any age. Absolutely. Again, if they have a cell phone or a computer or some form yep. of, and they're just going on and, and they can just pop right into your world in a matter of seconds. Yep. They're a 13-year-old kid whose parents aren't paying attention to him. He's sitting there in the dark in his little room, yeah. and he goes, I'm angry today, and I want to take it out on somebody, and I want to make somebody else feel the pain that I feel. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to spew some real hateful language at this publication who I know nothing about, Yeah, right? And then you have to deal with it. A big percentage of them are not... are. You know, people that don't read our newspaper, but they of see course. our content on social media, and it's great that people we, that we expose our content to a wide variety of, of the human race. But at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope because you want to be careful. You want to give create the platform for people to express themselves, but the key there is civilly, and we don't want to you know create a sense of hate we don't want to contribute to that hate 
and at the same time we don't want to be in the position where we're actually censoring people and they feel like like they can't express themselves freely as long as they're doing it in a civil manner and we look at every single comment if there's something we look at okay if it's a we, there's there's rules for public officials versus Nate and Kevin who right. are just you know if, if somebody writes about let, let's say we're writing a story about Nate's podcast and you have an enemy somewhere and somebody takes to social media they see that content on our Facebook page and they say hey Nate did this 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 and this to me this guy is is pond scum he's you know Nate's not by the way for all of Nate's you know <laughs> uh, listeners Nate's you know a sweetheart of a guy and uh, thank you that's very nice I'll, yeah no I'll but pay you, after you know show. yeah no it's it's shameless plug right <laughs> but um you know that's there's different rules for that as opposed to somebody that's a public official elected official somebody in the public eye a celebrity you know so you, you sort of look at did they uh, sort of you know being negative to them is one thing threatening them is a whole another ball game you right. know, I, I've got the chief of police on speed dial. I've got the head of federation. And you've had to use security, it. absolutely you've had more to than use it. more times than we would like. You know, so what, more do, you, than what one. do you do? I mean, what what happens when there's when there's hateful speech going back and forth on on social media? How do you do? You, do you just block people if it has well, to come to that? Well, before that, we're gonna obviously if it's something that that is purely it's threatening, like a real it's threat, a real anything, even if it's a threat of a threat, mm -hmm. it's. You know, Jewish Federation of Cleveland Security, they've invested a significant amount of money, unfortunately, in securing our institutions here in Cleveland. And one of their mantras is, see something, say something. Mm -hmm. And we experienced this. We just wrote about this last week about, you know, a woman who was at a synagogue um, at Shul and witnessed a suspicious car in the parking lot with two, you know, Individuals that that are not that did not appear to be members of the Jewish community, and, and she felt as though they were filming. They were. It looked like they had a camera and they're taking photos and, and videotaping what was happening inside the synagogue. And she didn't know anything about it, but her instinct was, "I've got to do something." And she alerted authorities. She, you know, unfortunately, she made one strategic error. She took to social media, which she probably shouldn't have done before authorities could do something but that's instinct mm -hmm. and you know she was wrong fortunately but she was also applauded for you know she, she was see also, something she was say also something. right by the absolutely way she absolutely she did was right. and see something say something so that's what we do is if there's anything that smells of a threat we're gonna alert you know Jim Hartman at the Jewish Federation of Cleveland who heads up security there is former CIA um, and uh, we're going to alert Beechwood police because typically, I mean, we're in Beechwood, our business, our locations in Beechwood. So wow. Um, and, and we'll get the authorities involved, and we, we've, you know, done that time and time again. Too much, unfortunately. There's no no one week's the same for you, huh? It's no, just crazy, right? It's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the fun. It's if you plan your day before you get in, you're toast. It because, doesn't matter what you plan. No, you're, you guys are prepared <laughs> for the wrenches that are going to be thrown in the spokes, and uh, you know it's that's part of the thrill. What I find that's more challenging for you guys than maybe Cleveland Plain Dealer or any other major publication is that you're. Your focus is so narrowly tailored. It's Jewish Cleveland, right? Yeah. So it's it's first off, the Jewish population is a fraction of what everything else is. It is. Cleveland is only so big. Yep. So you've you've got a small geographic area with a small number of people. So what I find, you know, Cleveland Plain Dealer, you could report about anything in the world. Yeah. You guys have to report on something that has a Jewish twist to it, that's happening in our area. So I guess my question is, is how much, is it new every year or is a lot of stuff cyclical and it's re recurring news, no. recurring events? How, how does this work? It's, it's a good, really good question. So obviously when community organizations, and we are so blessed to have so many incredibly um, important organizations in, in Jewish Cleveland um, that, that do so much good for the, the audience that they serve, for the community that they serve. Um, and there's too many to name. They have their annual events, which we're always going to write about, whether they're a tribute event, whether they're fundraisers, whether they're speaker series. We're always going to write about them because it's important and, and you want to get that message out there. And that's part of our obligation and part of our responsibility as a community newspaper 
It's to tell the news that's happening in the community. At the same time, we're also a watchdog for the community. That's a responsibility that we've owned and we've accepted that. So if it's Cleveland, if it's Jewish, if it's news, you better believe we're going to tell it. It doesn't mean it has to be all three of those. When Playhouse Square unveiled this gorgeous um, new chandelier in downtown Cleveland in the heart of the theater district a couple years ago, you know, that was on the front page of our newspaper. Had not, there was no Jewish angle to it whatsoever. Jews are some of the biggest patrons of the arts in Cleveland, which is a good thing. We felt as though it was important to write about that. When Castro, uh, Julian Castro, or no, what, I forgot what the guy's name is. Um, uh, Fidel Castro? No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Ariel, Ariel, Ariel Castro, Ariel thank Castro, you. The Ariel Castro. The, the Cleveland the, monster. Yes, the Cleveland monster, you know, held up those three innocent women for uh, over a decade. And, and when they escaped, and, you know, we, we wrote about that. And, you know, the Jewish angle for us, that we found a Jewish angle, which was Castro's attorneys were Jewish. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we got an exclusive interview with them. And it was important to talk to them. It was important to tell that story because it was a huge event in not only at home but around the world and yes. what those women went through. And, and it was important for us to tell that story, so we did. If it didn't have a Jewish angle, would you still, if it's that significant, will you still once in a while post something? Absolutely. Even without a Jewish angle yeah. to it? Yeah. If it's important to our audience. In our community. In our community, we're absolutely going to tell that story. And, Nate, I mean this sincerely. I cannot... I can't name one instance where somebody said to me, somebody questioned why we wrote about something that we did. Our judgment is pretty accurate. Um, sometimes we get the story wrong. Maybe the angle isn't what we would have liked, but you know, it, it, it's important for us to tell that story to our readers because they represent you know, the community in which we, we live in. How many employees do you have now? We have around, uh, I think the last count, 27. Plus, we have freelancers uh, that work for us in both uh, markets, Cleveland and Columbus. Those are like independent contractors. Those are independent contractors yeah. that, that get paid to you know write a story for us, go out and cover an event for us. Um, and then we have our columnists are not full-time employees. They're not FTEs. They're you know they don't count in our headcount. But we have you know full-time employees between full-time employees and I think we have two part-timers. Total number is twenty-seven on staff. That's fantastic. And, and where does the the, the ad revenues, right? Sponsors, yeah. ad revenues. How does that yeah. how does that play into it? So a majority of our revenue comes from the ads that you see in the newspaper. It's very, very important. It's called ROP or run of paper. Run of uh, paper advertising. That's the display ads that you see, the classified ads that are in the newspaper. It's where a majority of our revenue comes from, which is very, very important, obviously. Um, Who are and, some of your big... Oh, uh, out of respect for all of our every one of our <laughs> that's, advertisers that's right. I, is important. You're not gonna to let us. me set you up like that. Huh? Regardless of how much or how little they spend, the yes. fact that they spend with us when they don't have to, when print media, it's no, you know, we're not immune to the challenges that print media go through every day. Um, but are and, these companies that are just local, or is it nationwide? As most, well? a big chunk of them are local, okay. but there's also regional advertisers, there's national advertisers, international advertisers that want you know, access to the Jewish community of Northeast Ohio um, or Central Ohio in Columbus. Um, Maybe uh, Peloton's coming next. Over yeah, there. so Peloton we today. did, we've, yeah, yeah, I've got my, sporting <laughs> my Peloton hoodie on. Um, shameless plug for Peloton and... Uh, well, you're a big fan of Peloton. I am a big fan of Peloton. How many rides have you done? Uh, tomorrow morning will be 6.50, will be a wow, milestone. 6.50. Yeah, which is a big milestone. You know, when you get to 50 increments, usually that's a milestone where you want to go for a live ride and hope that one of the, you know, someone in the studio who, you know, the instructor will give you a shout out and... Um, so you're doing a live ride tomorrow. There's no. I'm doubt. doing a live ride tomorrow morning. Yeah, to hope for a shout out at the very least. Have a great workout. It's a rock ride, which is awesome. And Peloton's a great brand. I have no skin in the game. I I don't get paid by Peloton. I pay like everybody else. Um, I'm a paying customer. And my wife and I just on a whim a couple years ago. Um, we, we'd never rode before. We're never on a Peloton bike. We're not cyclists, you know, outside of recreational, you know, going for a ride, bike ride with our daughter. Um, you know, we'd never had a bike before. We just, we looked, watched the video. We saw the commercials 
and and we said let's do it and, and we didn't know if we we're gonna love it or hate it and it was sort of in, very instinctual and uh, w we did it and it was we're both avid riders we love it life changing it's, for you yeah so it, it's it it's it's great exercise it's I love cardio I probably should mix it up like she does where she goes hiking and she'll do a lot of uh, you know free weights and she'll do upper yeah. body and stuff at the gym. Um, I really, I do, my exercise is, is I'll punch a punching bag to let off steam. And you and I used to go to, uh, yeah, both of us used boxing. to go to title boxing together. And I gave that up just because I kept on getting hurt. Crazy workout. Oh my gosh, intense. It's a great workout. It I is. just kept on, my body couldn't handle it. I kept I've on getting I've never experienced work. a workout like that. And as we've said, the first 15 minutes at a title oh. boxing class, you, I mean, oh you, you're, you're just praying it's to get to rounds. You want to get to the eight three-minute rounds. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the absolute worst. And they've got amazing instructors too, That's just fantastic. like Peloton. Yeah. And my fifty-plus-year-old body can't handle that that cardio pre-workout. And then that wear and tear on the shoulders. Yeah, too, and hitting those. I threw out my there. back a couple times. Oh, I threw out my brutal. knee. So I'm just like, you know what? You know, we have, we put a punching bag up at home, so I'll punch the bag, mm -hmm. uh, go a couple rounds, and, and then I'll jump on the bike. And uh, how many rides? How often are you riding? You riding? I'm trying to ride at least five to six days a week. Um, I try to give myself one day a week break. Um, so, but uh, how long are these classes? Like my typical when I'm during the week when I get up before I. Uh, jump in the shower before my day starts I'll do a 30 minute on the weekend like this morning um, I did a 45 minute ride which was intense I could have I almost got a personal record for a 45 minute ride I was maybe you know three minutes short of what would have been and it's PR tracking all this it's tracking it it's, so I'll track it on my Apple watch they track it if you're on the bike you can do they have an app which uh, you know your subscription gives you an app access so we were we were in Atlanta for the holidays. My, you know, where we stayed, there was a uh, treadmill. So Peloton is more than just a bike now. It's they've got cardio, they've got, they have uh, meditation, they have yoga, they have the tread, which is a treadmill. You don't have to have the treadmill, the tread bike or the tread machine, which is probably twice expensive as as the bike is. But I jumped on the treadmill where we were at and used the app and did a tread class so it doesn't track it it only gives you credit for riding it doesn't track it for you because you're not on the bike and it's doing but, yoga too now you could just yeah they've got through yoga the app, through the phone app yeah through the app you could do it on the bike or on the app i do meditation on the app wow. which is really cool um just to bring some calamity to, to my world a little bit of calmness and, and uh when i have time i'll do that well, that stuff is so important Oh Especially yeah. as you get older, yeah, you've got kids, you've got a wife, you've got yeah, responsibilities. Balancing, balancing life and work is critical. And you mentioned your daughter will ride the bike as well, huh? Um, Not nearly as... No, she does, she'll ride her bike outside. Oh, 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 we okay. push her to ride the bike, the Peloton. She and exercise really haven't uh, come, to, term, haven't I mean, come yeah. to terms with each other yet. <laughs> yeah. But Eventually. we push her, and usually it, it's through bribery, um, which is... You can have a snack after you jump on yes. the, either jump on the treadmill or do some exercising at home. Just and that's so, so important yeah. that she gets to look, watch at mom and dad, and seeing the example of mom cares about this, dad cares about this. It trickles down. Yeah, I remember my dad used to, my dad my dad still to this day at at eighty years old. My dad still goes to the Solon Rec Center a couple times a week, and my dad used to take me. We used to belong to I don't know if you remember the back wall. At Golden Gate, yes. there's the back or East yes. Gate. Uh, the back wall was a racket club. Yes, and my dad would go there to work out. It was, you know, and then it was later. I think it was bought by Scandinavian Health Spas, which yeah. are both out of business. Mm -hmm. But my dad, I remember, jump. My friends and I would jump on the RTA. We'd walk up to the corner of uh, Winchester and Mayfield Road, jump on the RTA, and take it straight down Mayfield to go to the back wall to get some exercise. As you know, we were probably a little bit older than my daughters. I know we were early teenage my daughters. years. Early teenage years, yeah. yeah. And you, you know, my and, dad instilled that in, in me and my brothers, and, and you know, so exercise is important for the mind and and body. Yes, it is. And, and, and unfortunately, your son can't. can't my son cannot. He no, participate. Yeah, no. Unfortunately, how old is your son? Cooper just turned twenty three on Christmas Eve. Twenty three. Yes. Okay. Talk a little bit about what Cooper's been diagnosed with and what the path has been for you guys. Yeah, so frankly, Coop's, Cooper hasn't wasn't supposed to be here. Cooper was uh, uh, 
born with a he an hour after he was born he stopped breathing unexpectedly um he had my wife had a perfectly healthy pregnancy as far as we knew no signs no warning sign nothing to think that there would be any reason why he would stop breathing he just did and the amount of time that he went without oxygen caused severe brain damage unfortunately the part of the brain that was damaged controls his motor skills not his cognitive skills mm -hmm. and then about two and a half years later he was diagnosed with a metabolic disease called mitochondrial disease so the mitochondria produce energy to the cells to keep the organs functioning and his mitochondria are damaged because of the uh this you know it's not we did genetic testing so it's not genetic it's it's as far as we know it's a fluke and it was uh, related to the lack of oxygen in the well brain well that no the reason why he stopped breathing we we don't know why he stopped breathing but he was diagnosed later with with a mitochondrial disease and um if he just had the mitochondrial disease he could live he probably we know many you know young adults that, that live with you know live a typical life you know typical you know, have limited, minimal limitations w with a, they can function with a mitochondrial disease. Mm -hmm. um, but statistics are not good. Typical person with a mitochondrial disease diagnosed when Cooper was diagnosed don't live to be uh, beyond their, their teenage years, and Cooper has wow. exceeded those. Um, when we got out of the hospital, before we got out of the hospital, we were told, you know, he's probably not going to survive past infancy, and here he is 23 years later, and... He's a rock star. So, what has it done? Like, what has what has his everyday life been through over the last 10, 20 years? What um, like? So, Cooper's in a wheelchair. He uh, doesn't. Eat, he can't eat on his own. Can't. Uh, he's nonverbal. Um, he he can't. You know, he relies on, um, you know, a caregiver. You know, which is <laughs> my wife, who who's a godsend. Wow. She's been incredible for him. We've had. You know, he went through Solon Public Schools. He had a full time aid that the school system were really blessed to have great schools in northeast ohio mm -hmm. some of the best in the country and, and part of being you know hard earning working taxpayers is the school system provided a full-time aid for him from you know the time he was in kindergarten all the way up until he graduated high school so it was really important to us to mainstream him so that he was exposed to you know typical kids and non-typical kids so he was in a you know adapted program he was on an IEP so that you know his what he was required to do was different than what a you know typical child would be required to do based on what his limitations are and that's what the state mandates and he did that and he met all the requirements and he graduated with his class went through graduation his aide you know pushed him down the eye pushed him really? across the stage to get his diploma which was a, a pretty special moment yeah it, it was for all of us our Holy whole family cow. and you know we wanted you know we wanted people to look at him like you know he's anybody else and we wanted you know him to see the world as it is and, and not be you know caught in, in, in a exclusive environment just for special needs individuals so he's able to understand what's being told to him as far as we know yeah so he communicates with us non-verbally he has you know communication devices that he uses he goes to an adult program now every day you know since he graduated high school um, we want something to him to do obviously he's he's not as much as we would love for him to be in a, a post-secondary education he just the world doesn't you know, wouldn't re, he would respond to that. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. So um, he goes to an adult program where he's at from, you know, he gets picked up first thing in the morning and dropped off at the end of the day. And uh, we know what he's doing through a log that, that's kept every day. And, and um, he loves it. He, and then he comes home and, and he's engaged with us. And, you know, his, his sister looks at him like he's anybody else, which, mm -hmm. which is pretty special. She doesn't, she doesn't cut him any slack. And she ignores him like she ignores anyone else. Yeah. And uh, she's like, he's just being annoying today. Yeah, exactly. He's minding his own business. He's like, what did he do to you? <laughs> Leave him alone. So my gosh, I can't. I give you guys so much credit. I mean, oh, obviously, you, you've handled it with with what it appears to be as much grace and, and just accepting it and being supportive. I, I, I'm sure it's your maternal you, instinct. You have no choice. It, is it's what, what anybody say, would do. It's what anybody would do for their kid, Nate. It's, and we know people that have, yeah. unfortunately, they have their children or young adults in, you know, facilities because their life doesn't allow them to care for them like Darren and I can. And, and I'm telling you, you know, she'll, she'll, 
hit me if, if she heard when if she heard me say this but it, it's all because of her it, it, it's what she's done she dropped her world to take care of him and it's again it's her maternal instinct yeah, and beautiful. it's allowed me to do the things that i need to do for us and a lot of times there there's instant guilt because i don't have the patience like she does and but i'm telling you raising a child with special needs versus a child with non-special needs you have three girls you can appreciate this you know i think your world raising three daughters is the same as mine raising a child with a typical child and a non-typical child it's no different what you go through with your kids is the same you know it's a little bit different what i do because you know we have to toilet him and we have to feed him and, and we can't just say go go give yourself a shower or something it's we have he depends on us but you have three three humans that are responsible that you're responsible for well, thank you i appreciate it but you know i, I think i think that that's that's it's a challenge no matter what i think your challenge is is a little heightened um, and it's been incredible. And I, and I imagine, because they're 13 years apart, your kids. Yeah. So I imagine when you guys were going through that the second time, that had to be pretty scary for you. Yeah, so we waited for life to get normal. Right. And my wife had resigned herself to the fact that we were just going to have one child because, frankly, um, I was spooked. And, and as much, I love him unconditionally, and anybody that knows me knows that. And I don't do things the way my wife would do him necessarily but i'm not her of course. and she's not me and that's just life you get that with any partner i think yes. but um you know I, I i just i i didn't know what i didn't know and i just had at one point you know 11 i think it was 12 years ago at one point no, i was 11 years ago i had an epiphany and something just smacked me in the face and i said you know what i want somebody else for him not just us and I said to my wife one day, I said, I'm ready. And she said, ready for what? I said, I'm ready. She goes, well, you want to go out for dinner or what? What are you ready for? <laughs> what are you ready for? Did you get dressed? Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're like, you're, um, you're just testing her to see if she understands yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Look, yeah. I wanted to read my mind like most men want to expect their spouse <laughs> or, or significant other to do. But I said, you're like, I'm ready. no, honey, I'm really yeah. ready. <laughs> and it's not just practice this time. That's right. I said, I'm ready. To have another child and and again she had if we're up to her we would have done a long time before that sure and she's a saint and in fact she is, you know i mentioned my board my former board chair mark, who hired me mark you know calls her to this day saint darren because she puts up with my shit and everything that she does in world in the world but um and i you know i, I get that that's amazing. But we did all kinds of testing. We did. We said if we're going to do it, we're going to do it responsibly. Mm -hmm. And so we did genetic testing. We did all the checks and balances to make sure that there wasn't something hereditary that caused Cooper to stop breathing. Right. Because we did. We wanted to be responsible. We wanted to prevent that from happening if it was going to. We wanted to be prepared for that. So after we got all the checks from the docs that said the geneticist said you're fine this is just again a fluke as far as we can tell there's nothing in your history that would call, lead us to believe that this would happen again we took it one step further and said if we're blessed to get pregnant we, we were we did we're gonna have we're gonna as soon as that baby's born we're gonna have a neonatologist um, in the room labor and delivery room and take that child to neonatology and we're going to keep the child there for a week under observation to make sure that he or she doesn't stop breathing Just as, a, uh, pre as precaution. precautionary and it was something that we invested in because it was important to us to make sure that, that if that happens there's somebody there in in the setting that, that will protect him or her and we did that and then Carson came home have you met other us. people that have gone through something similar with their children or is this so rare that you don't really know we, we you know there are lots of people we know that have mitochondrial diseases right the mitochondrial right yeah but, but how about the no not really mm -hmm. you know it was just he stopped breathing it was a fluke fluke yeah. and, and it happened and yeah. it, it's you know we, I I I have in the past, fortunately I don't often, have said, what if he didn't? What would his life be like? It's hard not to go there, but it's not going to get you anywhere because this is the life that we, we have. And, and, you know, when you look at him and you and, and I see his eyes and, and I see how he gazes and how he smiles when, when I walk in the room or when his mother walks in the room or when people that are close to him, his grandparents or his cousins or his aunts and uncles, you know, his world is special to him and special to us and wow. and I couldn't imagine him in any other state wow. than he's in 
and I'm just I, I truly count my blessings and, and and love them unconditionally as you would expect any parent as any parent That's, would do. That's uh, powerful. And, yeah. and I'm telling you, Carson is is is. As easy as you would think it is with a ten-year-old girl, she's <laughs> as hard, if not harder, to raise yeah. because of what she goes through as a typical kid. And, and Cooper's easy. Cooper doesn't talk back. Cooper doesn't ask questions like she does, where you have to think about it. And it just and now they're getting to that, the girls are getting to that phase where uh, they're ten and then the pre pre uh, it's teenage so years. scary. The, the hardest years, hardest job I've ever had in my life. Ugh. No bullshit yeah. is being a father, hands down. Above anything else, it is the hardest, most challenging job I've ever had. Yes, and and extremely rewarding, but it, it takes is. a ton of work. Absolutely, it takes. If you're and doing, it's worth if you're every doing minute of it. Right, it's it worth is. every minute of it. You can't be fired. Yes, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you're not second guessed. Doesn't mean you're not told you're doing it wrong. <laughs> doesn't mean that they don't want to fire you. <laughs> exactly. They just can't. Exactly. But it is the most difficult. But it is, as you said, the most rewarding. You can't explain it to anyone that hasn't gone through it. They you, they have to go through it. It's yeah. impossible to explain for to sure. somebody that's not a parent. Yeah. Hey, uh, you have any guys have any uh, big upcoming events with CJN this? this yeah, year? so we do. We have our Bootstrap Bash, which is uh, this coming up Saturday night, a okay. week from yesterday. It's at uh, we have a really good partner, Todd Goldstein, who runs a launch yes. house. No, Todd um, went to high school though. Did you really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's at uh, Red Space downtown. That's uh, you can still get tickets. Uh, um, I should know the URL. I'm gonna say just. Go through cjn.org yeah. and look at the top right hand corner. Go to their corner. social media or something. Yes. I'm sure you'll see it. Go to Launch House yeah. and you can buy tickets. It's nice. a great party. It's a lot of fun. Then we actually have a couple other events. You asked about sports. We do this event with Les Levine called Less is More, which we bring three or four local Jewish sports talk show hosts on Cleveland Radio or, and or TV as well as the mayor of Warrensville Heights, uh, Brad Sellers, who um, yes. is a sports you know, guy himself. All seven feet of him. And right? All seven feet of yeah. him, seven plus feet of is him. He? And we go to Buffalo Wild Wings in Warrensville Heights, um, and we do a uh, breakfast for s local sports enthusiasts. Nice. We do less is more. That's coming up in uh, March, I believe. I should know the date to that. And then we have, we just announced last week, a really, really cool event that we're doing. Um, it's on April 24th, again, I believe. Uh, I should know the dates. Um, all this stuff is on our website. Mm -hmm. It's all on our social media pages. We'll be promoting the hell out of them all as we gear up to them. It's still a little bit early, but we just announced this. Um, it's an evening with Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. For those that don't know Cantor and Tui, they're uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists from the New York Times who reported on... Um, Harvey Weinstein, they broke the news of Harvey Weinstein and all of the antics that, that he's been accused of and being, uh, his trial starts in New York City this coming week. Um, what just, a spectacle that's going to be. What a spectacle oh, that will God. be, absolutely. It was just, he was just charged formally in L.A. Um, so Jody and Megan, um, you know, report on this for the first time. They um, really um, brought the Me Too movement to... Um, fruition. They didn't create it, but they ignited the Me Too movement, and uh, we're bringing them to town. They're going to be uh, speaking for about 45 minutes at Anshar Chesed Fairmount Temple. Nice. It's going to be um, a really cool event. We're doing a VIP reception before that, and then afterwards, Regina Brett, who is a columnist for us. Regina uh, was a wonderful addition of our staff many years ago. She writes a bi-weekly column for us, and she's a, a Pulitzer finalist. Um, she's an author. She writes about life, um, and she's not Jewish. Shows the diversity of the Cleveland Jewish News. I love that. And That's she huge. writes a regular column for us. So she's going to be moderating a Q&A with Jody and Megan afterwards for about 25 minutes. Then we're going to do a book signing. We're bringing in a local bookseller. Um, Loganberry Books and Shaker Heights is going to be out there selling books for us. They're going to sign them. And it's a really, really important event that we're doing. It, it engages the community. You ask, what does that have to do with the Cleveland Jewish News? It's important. We're nonpartisan. We're not trying to make a political statement. We don't have a horse in that race. You know, we, we avoid politics like the plague. Mm -hmm. um, we, we just report on it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it, it elevates it's a really, the brand. Yeah, and it does, and it brings the community together, yes, which is really important. That's the most important thing, regardless and, and of what side of the aisle you're on. Yeah, absolutely. That you come, you know. Yeah, it's not just the Jewish community, but the global community. Yes, so yes. that's really, really important for us, for our brand, for 
engage in the community and that's part of what we we strive to do you know every single day hey man it's amazing what you're doing uh obviously the cjn has been elevated with you at, uh, at the helm oh, and uh team I, have, effort, I have no man. doubt that that it will continue to uh go in the same direction it's been going and just happy you came on to share some of this. I'm honored and uh, appreciate the offer. And of thanks course, for having bro. me. We'll man. do it again. We'll this do it is again I, I love the optimal life, Nate Haver. Hey, the I, guest that you guys you've might had here. you guys might see me in the CJN suit. Yeah, they might you, be doing a story on this. You, I, they I, may be doing a you story. can expect that. And this was again uh, full disclosure. We did talk about that where I approached you and said, "Hey, we we have another podcaster that we're going to be writing about." I'd like for us to write about you too. So that was assigned well before you yes, asked me to come on here. This is not a this wasn't quid pro conditional. Quo. This was not yes, no quick, quid pro quo here. Check them out at the ClevelandJewishNews.com. We'll CJN.org. CJN.org. We'll link it up uh, in the show notes. And uh, appreciate you, brother. Thanks, brother. Good to see you. Love your stuff. Keep Thanks, it up. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon.